Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. What does the future look like? By melting business acumen and innovative technology, Deloitte can help you build the future only you can imagine. They can help engineer solutions for your business reality today and your vision for tomorrow to get you to a world where you don't just dream it, you build it. See how you can engineer advantage with Deloitte at Deloitte.com slash US slash engineering advantage. Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is War Room Battleground, and I'm your host, Stephen K. Bannon, with about 900% less shirts. Just kidding. This is On with Kara Swisher, and I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Naima Raza. Today, we have an interview with John Fetterman, the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, who's fighting it out with Dr. Oz for a critical Senate seat, one that could determine the future of the U.S. Senate. Democrats are saying it's one of their best chances to flip a seat. Yeah, and of course, he's recovering from a stroke, and that's one of the issues in the campaign because Dr. Oz is mocking him for his health. Mm -hmm. And as someone who had a stroke 10 years ago, I understand completely what he's going through. We had a very similar experience, and he's doing really well, as you'll hear, but it's still pretty disturbing that a doctor would make remarks like this. So I wanted to talk to him about it, and I think he's not happy about it. Not at all. But before we get to the interviews, let's talk about the latest newsmakers that have been capturing our attention. That would be, of course, Elon Musk once again. And President Biden. Let's start with Elon. The drama never ends. Last week, you Mm -hmm. said the deal was never not on, yet the deal is not exactly on. Well, It's not settled, at least. The lawyers for Musk have filed a motion alleging Twitter refused the $44 billion deal. Bloomberg's reported that the sticking point is that Elon wanted to add in a contingency Mm -hmm. pending the receipt of this $12.5 or $13 billion of debt financing which I understand why Twitter would want to slow things down. Yeah, exactly. And I think it was, it's, you know, he just is trying for a delay and that's what the judge gave him. I think it was a smart move on the judge's part in Delaware because now he's got to put up or shut up by this date. And if he could come back and say he doesn't have the financing, she could force him to sue the banks. The new date that you're talking about watching out for is October 28th. I'm sure we'll talk about this a hundred times before October 28th. Yeah. But here's another Elon story, maybe higher yeah. stakes for the rest of the world than, than his ownership of Twitter. He is attempting to be something of a, I guess, Jared Kushner, and by that I mean a self-appointed peace broker with his involvement in the Ukraine. Earlier this week, he started tweeting these polls with peace plans that looked not dissimilar to Russian talking points. So, for example, suggesting that Crimea be a part of Russia, that Ukraine remain neutral. 50-plus percent of people said no, and Mm -hmm. millions of people voted on this, by the way, on Elon's opinion of what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. And then he modified and tried again with another proposal saying the will of the people of Donbass and Crimea should determine what they do in Ukraine. People also said no to that. So what's going on with Elon? He has never lived in a, in a totalitarian regime, I guess, because, you know, these things are very complicated. And I called him Madam Secretary as a joke. Mm-hmm. But his base thing is, I don't like war. It's bad for business, essentially. Well, yeah, he's concerned about the economic impacts of this war. I would agree. But in this case, Putin is, is a clear aggressor. And this is going to go on for a long time. It affects us all. And uh, so then Lindsey Graham got involved, who's a very big supporter of Ukraine. And then he made a vague threat about how Congress might need to revisit the 
electric vehicle tax credit, which he called a boondoggle, and put the money to the Ukrainians. I was like, why are you entering this? Why do you need to enter a vague, weird senatorial threat? But the reason he's entering is we talk, you and I were talking about this last week, not on the show, but, you know, I was saying, why should we care about what Elon thinks about foreign policy issues? And you were saying, what does it matter? He can have an opinion. Mm-hmm. He can have any opinion he wants, right? That's right. And and why do you think that? Because he could. Everybody has an opinion. You know, I, he's not in any position to do anything. Lindsey Graham, on the other hand, who was in the Senate, very important figure in foreign relations. Uh, why is he talking with Elon about it? The fact that Lindsey Graham is expending his attention on Elon is actually why it's a problem. Like, Elon is creating a distraction. Should Zelensky really be taking time out to respond to Elon? Should Elon... It was two seconds. It was. I believe everyone's entitled to an opinion. I also mm-hmm. believe that when you have a platform, you should be thoughtful about what your expertise is in and what you can share yeah. your opinion about. I guess. Have you ever visited Twitter? I don't know. I, 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 I feel have, like, Kara, but I don't, I I don't like, opine on it a lot, you know, yes, and, I, well, yeah. and I'm not opining on this despite having two degrees in international relations and being a member of the Council of Foreign Relations. What would be your opining? Then opine, please. Well, I will opine on Elon. I won't opine on, you know, I, obviously I think there are massive atrocities happening in Ukraine, and I, I believe that we need a very carefully thought out foreign policy around it, which I'm not going to come out with a four-point peace plan on a podcast about. Probably be better than either of these two men. Uh, but I'll but spare anyway, you. But I think the, the interesting thing here is that Elon is creating distraction. He is a source of information. And, you know, someone, Kara, you call out people for, you know, how much power they have. And I think you're a little bit nice to him on this. I think you're giving him a bit of a pass. I think people slap back at him plenty on this. He wrote, I'm a big fan of Ukraine, but not of World War III. And someone replied, I'm a big fan of Czechoslovakia, but not World War II. I thought that just took care of it. I'm sorry. I think Twitter takes care of it. I don't think it takes care of it. Look, Elon, you know, if you think you can help the world, that's great. You have the power to call experts and get opinions. You can amplify a voice that has more expertise, but— I don't think he's talking to anybody. I don't think— I I don't think so either. What's super interesting to me is that the reason it's generated this much attention is because Mm -hmm. he's taken, as Elon often does, the contrarian and controversial position. Yes, that's what it is. Like his haha boys, many of them are doing this. Mostly they want Joe Biden to screw up. Their whole goal is to upset the apple cart. And so it's like someone who throws a tantrum or whatever, or a kid's doing something, you just ignore it. If it had actual impact, I certainly would speak up. In this case, people are laughing at him more than anything else, yeah. as they did Jared Kushner. And so, you know, but Jared Kushner actually was in there doing stuff. So that's, I'm interested in the idiots who are doing stuff on the inside. I would just say I'm, I rarely would want to hear from Lindsey Graham over Elon. On foreign policy, I would rather hear from Lindsey Graham. We agree with Lindsey Graham. So let's move on to Biden, who's our second newsmaker. He's been progressive, Dark Brandon. He's really trying to win over the progressive voters who probably yes. are going to go to the polls anyways because of abortion. But he's become the progressive Dank Brandon this week with his thousands of pardons for people who were convicted of marijuana possession under federal law. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. I think he was probably working on this. This stuff doesn't just come out of thin air. Uh, you know, this is it's a very small thing because the states have to really, a lot of the people imprisoned are via state systems. And he's pointing to an issue that's really just terrible in terms of the incarceration of people with minor mm-hmm. uh, drug issues. And it it definitely affects people of color more than others, even though everybody smokes pot at the same rates. You know, when I was talking with my son on the way to school at seven this morning for basketball practice, uh-huh. he was like, why doesn't he just make pot legal? I was like, can you just give him <laughs> a break, sir? And he was like, no. We have to and tell so, Alex about incremental <laughs> politics. That's what I said. It's politics. But, uh, you know, I, I actually agree with him. But he's still in a bind. He's got four weeks left until the midterms. There's tons of economic pressure on him. Yeah. The bigger pain point for Biden in these midterms is is not 
pot, but this broader OPEC decision, which is going to cut oil production by 2 million barrels a day, which will put pressure on gas pumps. How do you think it's going to hit him and the Democrats? I don't think it's good. And I think people really care about the economy. I think abortion's important, but it's not as important as inflation and the economy. And that's always the case. And so it's going to affect him. If these Mm -hmm. prices go up, home heating goes up, Mm -hmm. uh, people will feel it. And a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck, and this is not a hit they can take. It's bad for Biden. He was fist pumping Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia back in July. The Washington Post said the fist pump became a gut punch. Oh, that's a good take. I think it is actually really interesting in the foreign policy lens, because all of a sudden, Biden will face some pressure to cozy up to countries like Venezuela and Iran, Mm -hmm. you know, other petroleum producers who could be, you know, friendly here. And with Iran right now, that's highly problematic. Got the nuclear deal in negotiation. Mm -hmm. Authorities are cracking down on these protests. At least 76 people have died that we know of. We don't know enough because there's not enough information coming out. There's nobody in Iran. There's very few reporters there. Maybe Elon should tweet about (laughs) this. Yeah, I'm sure he will in a second. But I, I don't want his opinion on it. I just maybe want him to call attention to it. Well, I know you want to tell him what to do, but I have this feeling he's not going to listen to you. Not his mama. Let him tweet as much as he wants. Yeah. One thing that's good, by the way, is that since Trump's gone, there's a lot more coverage of international stories. They can actually compete for above the fold. There's not the drama. I just don't think people care still in the United States. Uh, I think that'll be generational. We'll see. I think young people care more. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have the interview with John Fetterman. This episode is brought to you by On Investing, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Each week, hosts Liz Ann Saunders, Schwab's Chief Investment Strategist, and Kathy Jones, Schwab's Chief Fixed Income Strategist, analyze economic developments and bring context to conversations around equities, fixed income, the economy, and more. Join Kathy, Liz Ann, and their guests as they share insights on what might be moving the markets and why, as well as what indicators they are watching for signs of change. They'll also answer investor questions on everything from how sectors are evolving to what the bond markets are telling us, to where to look for opportunities and considerations for your portfolio. You can download the latest episode of On Investing and subscribe so you never miss an episode at schwab.com slash oninvesting or wherever you get your podcasts. Our guest today is Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman of Pennsylvania, who's seeking a U.S. Senate seat this fall. Uh, we last spoke to him when he was on our on our previous show a couple years ago. Yes, absolutely. We were very early to him. He was very interesting during the COVID crisis, and he was known for schooling Trump in election math. Now he's the Democratic candidate for the Senate seat in Pennsylvania. It's an open seat. It was previously occupied by a Republican. Of course, he also suffered this massive stroke, which started when he was walking out of the bathroom at, she- at the Sheets convenience store. And that's why I wanted to talk to him, because I had one, too, and I think the criticism he's getting— uh, by his opponent, Dr. Oz, is appalling, um, making fun of him, mocking him, talking about eating his vegetables. Do you think that the reaction to the stroke is it has been over-exaggerated given your experience of a stroke? Yes. Yes, I'm perfectly fine. It's so astonishing how much has gone on since then, since I had a stroke, mm-hmm. in terms of treatment. And I really feel like it, to, to attack someone who's undergoing a major health issue who is fine, 
and mm-hmm. is 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 recovering is really beyond the pale. And I know politics is tough, but this guy's a doctor, and I uh, honestly, he should be censured. I should note because there is so much kind of scrutiny and speculation about Fetterman's medical condition that we. I've made a different editorial decision in this interview than we usually do. We, we, and by we, I mean our wonderful team of producers and engineers, usually spend a lot of time tightening an episode, not just for length and clarity, but also kind of eliminating ums and yas and likes from stumbles. In this episode, we've made an editorial choice not to do that. So it's not going to sound as clean as our episodes usually do, but we thought that was important given the speculation about his health. So we wanted to have you here, the lieutenant governor and Senate candidate, as he sounded. And by the way, other people do a lot of ums and likes and stumbles. And so you're going to hear them from him. I was really quite impressed by how well he's doing. Um, and you you can judge yourself. Having done thousands of interviews, everybody has a Problem with words, word salad, etc. You all clean me up, correct? Um, we did and, clean you up, Kara. Don't worry. But I suffered from that too, and I have to say, he's uh, it clears itself up eventually, like he talked about. But um, he was very. I, I like that he did this. Good for him. All right, here's the interview with John Fetterman. It is John, it's been a while since we last spoke. About a year ago, a lot has happened, obviously, including having your stroke. How are you doing? Yeah, no, that's you know, it actually a lot have changed uh, since then, and uh, certainly uh, life has been changed uh, dramatically after having a stroke uh, in a lot of different ways, for sure. I, I want to explain to start with what the auditory processing issues. Uh, it's not just a straightforward Zoom or Riverside or everything else. We are using Google Meets and closed captioning, but uh, you sound terrific and. I also had a stroke and had similar issues. Uh, I was also born in Pennsylvania and wear sloppy clothes. So I have some sense of what's going on with you. Talk a little bit about it, because I, I, it's become an issue with Dr. Oz, and we'll get to that in a minute. But my my own mother, who votes in Pennsylvania, at dinner the other night said, John Fetterman shouldn't be senator because he had a stroke. And I turned to her and I said, you know, Mom, I had the exact same stroke. And she said, you're different. And I said, no, it's the exact same stroke. I've never been more successful or competent and everything like that. So I'd love you to talk about that for people. I know what it's like to go through what you're going through. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I, I've never had a conversation about a, a stroke with, with a fellow uh, stroke uh, survivor. And it always it gets emotional and, and it just feels good to just kind of connect with somebody to understand what the experience is like, because uh, I, I can't imagine I would have understood what it must have been like before it happened to me. So it really has uh, allowed me to deepen my empathy and uh, as well, even though I thought I was pretty empathetic before. Uh, but but yeah, it, it, it definitely changes a lot of different basic things about life. Talk to me about your experience during it. My memory, and I'll start first, was I didn't realize I was having it until my brother told me I was having one because I had uh, aphasia where my voice, my audit, I wasn't able to speak, essentially. And everything I said was garbled. And you're probably familiar with this. And I thought it was just a headache or something else because of travel. And my brother said, get to a hospital right away. Uh, you're having a stroke. I called him an idiot. He's a doctor. And when I got there, I that's exactly what was happening. And the first thing that went through my head, and I wasn't upset, I was sort of handling it pretty well, is when I thought about my kids because my dad died of a cerebral hemorrhage and I was worried about lots of stuff uh, around that. And it really was an emotional moment, the idea of losing your life or losing the ability to talk or other things. I'd love for you to talk about it. What was your experience in that regard? Uh, That's uh, what happened was I was uh, 
uh, three, three or four days uh, before the primary. So it was like after a really grueling primary and I was actually out of sheets and I was uh, getting ready to get <laughs> kind of get ready uh, to go to an event uh, in Millersville uh, University. And I walked out of the, the bathroom. Mm -hmm. I was going to the car and my wife, Giselle, it was kind of like the same to your brother in that situation. Mm -hmm. And she said, something's wrong. You're having a stroke. And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. That can't be, you know, no. And we got in the car and I started realizing that we weren't going to to the event. We we're going to the hospital. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are we doing? We got to go because I had this. I was really locked on the mm -hmm. idea that we got to get to the to the event. And uh, we I was basically I was arguing in the middle of a stroke, you know, like, no, we got to go. We got to go to this. We got to mm -hmm. get this done because I kind of had, you know, locked down on that. And I got to the hospital and thank God um, if that stroke would have happened at 11 at night or mm -hmm. I was in a remote area, uh, letting uh, being uh, 20 minutes away from, you know, the best stroke facility in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. That's the reason why I, I live. And then that hits you with the whole idea of, you know, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've walked out of a, a sheets bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> the one time I did, it changed my life in the most profound way uh, that I would rank all the way up with becoming married or have becoming a father, you know, like after that. And, and life has never been the same since. So how do you perceive your health right now? Uh, I honestly, I feel like my my recovery has been miraculous, to be honest. And I'm so grateful. And I have nothing to complain about in terms of, you know, I feel great f physically in terms of just living a normal life uh, the way I have. And uh, I have auditory processing. And, and as you mentioned, I'm using captioning and I'm going to be using captioning, uh, you know, in the debate. Uh, and there are issues in terms of that, because especially when, you know, I'm being asked very specific questions, mm -hmm. I have to count on captioning because I want to make sure I'm able to answer the kind of question. Right. And does that get better? Has that gotten better over time? Yeah, it, it gets it gets better and better. And uh, every day, sometimes I notice, oh, wow, that that's different or, or things. But but everything's been going in the same direction. And I knock on I knock on wood. I, I haven't had a uh, a day of, of backsliding. Mm -hmm. But the difference is, is that um, I, I hope you didn't have your doctor in your life making fun of you or saying no. that that, you know, you're not you know, fit to to, to job, do your job or anything, or there's somebody filming you uh, counting how many words that you missed. Yeah, unfortunately, sometimes I feel like it's working. I, I was pretty appalled having had that happen to me. In fact, um, Meg Whitman actually said something that made me angry of all people, where she said, uh, oh, you can talk. I thought you'd have to quit. I thought you'd have to do this. And I said, and I remember I, I gave a talk uh, where I said, you know, everyone kept touching me and saying, are you OK? You need to stop being stressed. And I said, I'm going to be more stressed, I think, because I'm not going to slow down because of this. And the fact that it strokes, the medicine around strokes has changed rather dramatically. Now, people have very severe strokes, obviously, but the recovery ability is really quite a lot. So let's talk about Dr. Oz. He, uh, he and his allies have been attacking you for having the stroke. They suggested you lied about your recovery, that you had a stroke because you didn't eat your vegetables, and that you're unfit to serve in the Senate because of it. Talk about this. I, I, I was gobsmacked that a doctor would do this. Yeah, I, I, I was 
too. I, I, I just, uh, I, of all the things that I was concerned about, uh, you know, having three young children and mm-hmm. realizing that I could have lost my life and, and just kind of being confronted with mortality in, in such a very dramatic way uh, to have somebody, a doctor, mm-hmm. making fun of it. And having that uh, happen at a, a national stage is is uh, I, I I don't know and and uh, I started to realize that that I just wanted to just connect with with people you know on the campaign uh, trail and and I asked uh, people at, at events or, or at rallies you know who who's ever had a, a health challenge in your life mm-hmm. and a lot of mm-hmm. hands go up and then when I add in how about your parents and then more hands go up or what mm-hmm. about your grandparents or God forbid your your child and then by the time you know two thirds to three quarters of the hands are up and I said good I'm so sorry that this happened you know I truly I, I know what that feels like and mm-hmm. I really sincerely hope that you don't have a doctor in your life making fun of what happened to you uh, blaming mm-hmm. you for what happened and then um, saying that you are uh, unable to to work and you you shouldn't so you have a debate coming up do you suspect Oz will use this to purposely try to trip you up one doctor told me he could make you try to say he he's a cardiac thoracic surgeon he knows he understands this rather well um, he uh, he could make you say uncommon words. I have no idea what to expect uh, because my thoughts of, of what to expect after having the stroke has already happened. So I, I really don't know. I, ha- I have no idea. It's normal to have one d- debate uh, in October. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what was always the plan. But because mm-hmm. he's been uh, struggling uh, in the race, you know, he tried to turn this into an issue or anything. And and uh, the, the fact is, is that you know, for me to be able to have a debate, I need captioning. That's just a fact that, that I had a stroke. Um, and if you think it's funny or you think that means that I'm not fit to be a senator or work, is it's just it's absurd. But no matter what, uh, if there's an advantage uh, to exploit, they're, uh, they're, they're clearly going to. Yeah, here we are. Do you think the attacks are working? That narrative that you're unfit is translating to voters who themselves may have been sick. Do you think it works with people or on the campaign trail are people appalled by this? It's a very big, risky uh, uh, risky uh, kind of uh, bet uh, that the, the Oz campaign, thinking that that more voters like having uh, a sick person be made fun of versus not. Your health is improving. You feel completely fit. To, and your doctors have said this. Do you think you should give more health information out, or do you think you've given adequate health information? I mean, out? I, I had I've had my my doctor uh, release uh, a letter and said that you're fit to to serve, and that's a real doctor uh, more than uh, Doctor Oz as a real doctor. And <laughs> and I know my doctor and any doctor I've ever known of would would make fun of somebody and say that. And so like I've re- released uh, my medical information to able to run and and serve in this in this race. And going forward, you are doing treatment. For example, I'm about to get heart surgery um, to cover. I had a hole in my heart. That's a PFO, which is what caused my stroke or one of the one of the factors. And I have very cloudy blood. That's my plan now because surgery has changed so drastically from when I had the stroke 10 years ago. You're just going to be medicated, presumably for the rest of your life. Correct. Like I, I am, too. That kind of thing. I assume I, uh, that I that I will be, um, and uh, I I think that uh, I feel normal if mm-hmm. if other than the fact that again those auditorial processing is 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 different in terms of physically I've always been driving uh, mm-hmm. walking miles every day 
um, getting around, doing shopping, going with mm -hmm. my kids, taking them to mm -hmm. a party or their friend's house, mm -hmm. and all these things. Um, the the only difference would be uh, the 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 auditory processing and mm -hmm. having you know Fox News and and the Republicans making fun of it. That that's the the one difference. But the race is getting tighter. Most polls see Oz gaining on you, and one recent survey showed you just two percentage points apart. Although another recent one showed six. How do you keep the significant lead you have had? Yeah, I mean, it, I'm sure there there is a, a difference somewhere between three and six points. I mean, just. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yesterday, there was a poll that came out that uh, had us up six points, and it was a very mm -hmm. reputable uh, poll. And it's not so much that that um, it's me losing support; it's it's that the Republicans are consolidating behind him, and that's what we all expected. And and everyone understands that every uh, purple state, uh, you know, that was a fifty-fifty in a in a presidential election, they're gonna be mirrored in in the Senate and that's what that's what's happening and they dumped over 20 million dollars over the last five weeks you know mm -hmm. with with all these lies and 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 this kind of distortions um and now Fox News uh, and I want to point out and this is a statistic um had more attacks than every other Democratic candidate combined uh, over the mm -hmm. last five weeks too and certainly they, they've they've inflicted a lot of uh, in in terms of the attack, but not only did we you know survive, we're actually winning, and I think it's a testament to how Pennsylvania knows and understands me. Why do you believe so many people support him? Is it just consolidation behind Republicans? The truth is, is the actual numbers. You know, anywhere between fifty-one to fifty-three percent of of uh, voters dislike him. So mm -hmm. it's really simply like it's an R, and you're going to just show up regardless. They may not. They might be excited about it, but but it's like you have two choices and I'm going to go with the R. Right. And that's that's the reality. It's not it's never going to be a kind of I, I've I've you know, I've waited my whole life to to, to vote for somebody like this. It's more mm -hmm. just like, well, you know, it's a Republican. You know, this is this is what I have to do. Is there a thing that you like about him? Is there anything that you can point to? I, I I don't know. I, I don't know enough about him other than him making fun of me nearly dying or him. I, I don't know. I You don't have to like him. You don't have to like him. No, I, it's not. A, it's not a that. I, I, you know, I understand sometimes things aren't personal or whatever. But, you know, like, as I said before, if if me making fun of uh, a father with three young kids that that almost died uh, is required for me to 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 win, then I would not I would never do that. So. Yeah. All right. One thing that people like about you is your image sort of as a blue collar tough guy. Republicans are also attacking you, saying you grew up in a cushy environment. You have a Harvard degree. You got money from your parents. Considering that the Carhartt vibe isn't exactly where you grew up, where did that come from? I did grow up in Pennsylvania. I dress the way I've always dressed this way. Mm -hmm. And we don't uh, come from uh, you know, the kind of wealth that you talk about having 10 gigantic mansions or <laughs> having that kind of a thing. You know, like I was an unplanned pregnancy, you know, to a 19 year old, you know, and he worked in a grocery store while he worked through college. So he was successful enough to have some kind of financial security, but but certainly not when you're talking about, you know, like th that kind of of, of wealth. And mm -hmm. I took on uh, to uh, be a mayor of a community, uh, and th that's how I've made my life. So it's it just 
it's just strange. So last time we talked, I talked about your social media game, which I said was nowhere as good as your wife's. I have to say it's improved since. So I want to do a lightning round on some of the ad spots you've put out, which have gotten very popular on social media. Let's go over some of the hits, starting with your viral response to that Dr. Oz video where he's out shopping at a Radner's, which he calls Wegner's, which he's combining with Wegman's, which means he might have a neurological problem. We need to discuss all of it in Pennsylvania. The clip starts off with Oz's shopping adventures before you cut in. I thought I'd do some grocery shopping. I'm at Wegner's and I, my wife wants some vegetables for crudite, right? So here's a broccoli. That's two bucks, not a ton of broccoli there. There's some asparagus, that's $4. In PA, we call this a veggie tray. And if this looks anything other than a veggie tray to you, then I am not your candidate. For those who don't know, what are you? why are you talking about veggie trays? It wasn't uh, attacking or whatever. It's just kind of, you know, tweaking some of that. And, and this wasn't a video that I, I filmed undercover or anything. He put out a, a, a video. It kind of uh, got picked up. And it was simply just, it's like, I've never heard the word crudite uh, before. In fact, I thought it was like it was a stroke kind of a situation where I'm like, am I not understanding something? You know, what am I missing here? Um, and then I had to Google what a crudite was because I'd never heard it in my life. And then it was like, wait a minute. So if that's what he's trying to do, it's like it's a veggie tray. Yeah. OK. Then there's the video with Snooki uh, from the Jersey Shore pointing out Oz lives in New Jersey, not Pennsylvania. Hey, Matt. this is Nicole Snooki. Um, and I'm from Jersey Shore. I don't know if you've seen of it before, um, but I'm a hot mess on a reality show, basically, and I enjoy life. Um, but I heard that you moved from New Jersey to Pennsylvania to look for a new job. And personally, why did you pick Snooki? I think it's a matter of, of like a, a cultural kind of icon, you know, with with Jersey. And it was it was just an, uh, an opportunity to have fun, but not be mean or to be nasty mm -hmm. or personal about it. And, and that's all it is. And it, it really was rooted in how absurd this is, because I was never aware that somebody that lived in a different state running mm -hmm. for the Senate of, of a different state. I've never I'm not aware of that. And, you know, talking about how it's hard to fight for a state if you have never lived there. And, and understand, you know, what it, what life is like there. And just asking people, you know, do you think somebody can really r connect with somebody, you know, that's lived this kind of life versus mm -hmm. the, the kind of life that you're leaving? Right. OK, finally, the new clip comparing Oz with Dr. Nick from The Simpsons. I thought this was quite good. Hi, everybody. Everybody. With my diet, you can eat all you want, any time you want. And you'll lose weight? Uh, you might. It's a free country. I've got the number one miracle in a bottle to burn your fat. Lose fat without diet or exercise. Stubborn stomach fat instantly disappears. We definitely get the point on that one that Oz is a quack. By pulling in The Simpsons, you're bringing in Disney, uh, which, of course, is trying to avoid politics. Talk about that. And have you gotten any pushback from Disney? No, the, the, the truth is, is that I you know, thought about, you know, think of the absurdity. And I, I was a whole life uh, fan of Simpsons. And I was like, well, what about Dr. Nick? You know, Dr. Nick was an example of absurdity and like something that this can't possibly be real, right? And then you realize that the the, the perfect parallel between, between that um, and, you know, what Dr. Nick said and what Dr. Oz says. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's why people all connect with that and they yeah. all understand the absurdity of it all. 
So let's talk about the connection, this social media strategy. Do you think this is the type of social media strategy that's needed to win a campaign these days? Uh, it's certainly, it's, I think it's a good thing. And, and I think it's, it's uh, our ability to let people understand who you're running against too. And it's never been in a place that is nasty or mean. It's all been just basic things. It, it, it wasn't uh, about me saying terrible things or lying about things or anything like that or making fun of if you had a health condition or something. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, here is a picture of you or here is a, a, a clip of you saying or doing something and just, you know, putting it right out there. So you're certainly amusing people, but are you changing minds or talking into an echo chamber? Are you worried about that being too reductive? I, I, I think it, it's, it is about running a campaign on, on all the different things that are all important when you're having a, a very close mm -hmm. race. And in terms of the, the truth of Dr. Oz, you know, it's already been clear that that's why more a majority of Pennsylvanian voters dislike him. So I, I think all you know, every vote matters and everything counts. And mm -hmm. and and I, you know, we're we're doing all things that are important issues and doing it in a way that is is often can be viral and spreads mm -hmm. things at no cost uh, to us, and it, mm -hmm. it allows people to consider it. But yes, yeah, some point if somebody, you know, I mean, things are very uh, very partisan now. Um, mm -hmm. there's things that you don't, or you have no problem, you know, if it's, if it's, you know, your team that, that says that, you right. know, if, if I so, lived in New Jersey, you know, mm -hmm. the Republicans would be outraged. Like, this is outrageous. This is crazy. Mm -hmm. How, you know, you're mm -hmm. unfit to whatever. So, so it's yeah. like, it's so disingenuous. But Oz's audience are TV watchers, maybe, maybe on Twitter, but not the primary ones. How do you sway those people? Are you aiming at those people to reveal these truths to them? Do you think you reach them in that regard or what's a better way to reach? Would you go on Fox News, for example? Oh, we we've been on television the entire mm -hmm. time and we're running. a You know, it's very controversial. Uh, mm -hmm. Excuse me. There's nothing controversial about what our uh, commercials. They've all been very strong. And mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, here we are that, you know, it, it, into October and we still are up in polls despite mm -hmm. a, an onslaught. Um, mm -hmm. that, that's that's happening. So uh, yeah, I think the, the way our campaign has been managed uh, and mm -hmm. run is, I think, uh, it's incredibly strong. You know, and it, it's a testament to the kind of money that we've raised and the way that the polls have have held up. Another thing about this social campaign is that it's expensive. The Financial Times says you're spending at least $12 million on communications and consultants alone while Pennsylvanians are dealing with record inflation, along with the rest of the country. Um, have you have you focused enough on the economy and what you're going to do about it? I, I feel I feel like we have. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, we've run a very smart uh, campaign. And um, uh, at, at this point, uh, I think it's it's reflected on on our polling and, and the kind of campaign that we've run. Should you talk more about it, the inflation and the economy? Um, I, I think we have. We do speak about it. And we mm -hmm. do also acknowledge that that Dr. Oz doesn't really understand what inflation is. He doesn't experience mm -hmm. inflation. Um, mm -hmm. He doesn't even know how to shop. You know, that's been been clear. And I think he um, has no plan. So, so it, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, um, you know, there, there's no solution there. And, and we believe that we need to make more things in America and, right. and we need to stand up against corporate greed. And we mm -hmm. believe that, um, you know, we have to raise our minimum wage and, you know, just basic uh, economical kinds of common sense arguments. 
Mm-hmm. So you've one of the things you've taken heat for they're, they're aiming at you is wanting to give a second chance to people convicted of serious crimes, including murder. Is there a type of person in jail today who doesn't deserve a second chance in your eyes? This is, again, something my mom mentioned. She's like, he's hiring murderers. And I was like, is he? Like, I, it was it was really an interesting, it, it seems to have hit with her, at least. She's my little uh, focus group. But wh- how, what talk about that issue and where they're hitting you with that. Oh, I, uh, again, in the, the, the case of, of those uh, individuals, the Horton brothers that I hired, uh, you know, actually are innocent. In fact, their story, they actually won an, en- an Emmy on that. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were, uh, they were uh, in prison for 30, 30 years for something that they didn't did. This uh, was a process that exists in Pennsylvania. And, mm-hmm. and it's, a, it's basically the, the kind of cases where they are unanimously uh, supported. To, mm-hmm. to be given a, a an opportunity. They had mm-hmm. perfect records. They've been in prison for 40, 45, 50 years or more. And the, the warden agrees. The, the secretary of corrections agrees. And and everybody from the, the prison mm-hmm. guards all the way on up agrees. And I would just ask anyone, your mother or anyone, it, it's like, have you seen the Shawshank Redemption? Because mm-hmm. almost everybody has. And it's like, would you vote to give Morgan Freeman um, mm-hmm. a chance or not. And mm-hmm. and I have never met any single person that says, yes, he should die in prison. Right. I, I think we all think Morgan Friedman should get out of jail. But but let me push back on this a little bit. Crime is a real issue with people now. It seems to be resonating. Um, how do you how do you address that? Is it an effective attack on you? I already knew that that standing in and, and leaning into like helping innocent people get out of uh, prison, I knew that I was going to be weaponized against me. And that was a choice mm-hmm. that I made. And that's exactly what was was happening. And it would be allowing me to turn the back and say, you know, uh, it's okay if you're going to die in prison because I'm afraid of the attack ads. Um, and I would never trade uh, for a, a title against my conscience. And that's really what this is all about. It was, it was about, uh, it was about uh, confronting the, the, the truth of these kind of situations. And it was, mm-hmm. a, it was a choice that I made to, to be on the, the right side of, I think, is, is really uh, the, uh, the decent thing, uh, an important thing. Absolutely. In this case, uh, but do you have a plan on crime? Are you aware of people's worries about this? Do you think you need to address it? Yeah, absolutely. I actually was successful in confronting crime. As mayor of, of Braddock, a community for four terms, had uh, a significant gun violence issue, and I stopped it for five and a half years. Five and a half years. It had never happened before or after I become mayor. And I worked with the police and I worked with the community and that was a successful and that was a reality. And Dr. Oz has never fought against crime. Dr. Oz doesn't understand what that crime is like. Certainly not gunfire and those kind of things. And that's what I was successful in doing that throughout uh, my career as mayor. Support for On With Kara Swisher comes from NerdWallet. You don't have to be a genius to start making better financial decisions today. It's not that sexy, but piling up lots of little monetary victories today can yield some pretty significant rewards down the line. The tricky part is knowing where to start. NerdWallet can help. Their financial experts have helped countless people find new ways to maximize every dollar they earn. Now the team is helping folks get more from every dollar they spend. 
NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credits side by side to maximize your spending. Some even offering up to 10 times the points on every dollar you charge. Their expert team of nerds did the work reviewing top credit cards so you can trust that you have the smartest one for future you. If I had better rewards right now, I would probably travel to Hawaii and be sitting on a beach and not talking into this microphone right now. I would be enjoying a Mai Tai, possibly swimming, doubtful I would be surfing, but I would spend them all there. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I want to talk about the role of Trump in this election. Oz was endorsed by the former president and campaigned with him. Then he dropped the Trump endorsement from his campaign over the summer. What do you think the role of Trump in this race is? Uh, of course, when you win by 900 votes, yeah, of course, that had a, an impact. Of, of, And of course, you know, uh, Trump is is popular in Pennsylvania. And, you know, there, I don't know any genuine kind of uh, MAGA uh, that, that really believes that, that Oz, you know, believes anything because nobody knows what kind of his core is. In fact, mm-hmm. I saw uh, in a poll, 71% of voters all think that he says whatever he thinks can help himself. Uh, so mm-hmm. I don't think there's any true believer in, in terms of that. But there certainly are, are plenty of voters that say, I'll, I'll do what Trump says or, or who he endorses, of course. Can these races escape Trump's shadow or is it just a, are these are people who just aren't going to even consider you? Well, of of, of course, you know, Trump is going to be a, a factor in, in any election, you know, currently uh, right now. I mean, that's that, that's the reality for good or bad. I want to get your take on some other big political players are factoring in the race. The first one is Republican who recently came around on Oz, Mitch McConnell. He's fighting Trumpism very lightly, but not in Pennsylvania. Why? I don't really have a thought other than that, you know, he, he's spent $20 million to try to take to take us down. And we've been able to stand against it and held, and hold up against it and actually still remain up on top. Just for clarity, that's through the super PAC aligned with McConnell called the Senate Leadership Fund. So uh, d- definitely uh, uh, he's a factor simply because he has uh, a big wow. pile of money. So what about the impact of billionaires like Peter Thiel? It went on a more national level, pouring their money into Senate races like in uh, in Arizona and Ohio nearby. Yeah, I, I believe that 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 uh, money is a cancer in, in uh, American pol- uh, politics, politics, excuse me, politics. Um, and we have to make sure that getting it out is is if you if you want a better system, getting money out of it would make it be all better off because you simply can buy things as as a billionaire, which you know I think it should be returned to a one vote is equal to one vote as opposed yeah. to you know one person might have a vote, but they also might have a billion dollars can have mm-hmm. a ma- a major kind of impact. So, so the, to the Democrats now, should uh, Joe Biden run again in twenty twenty four? I think that should be a decision made by Joe Biden. And and that's it's not a matter uh, anyone's choice other than his. And and I respect whatever choice he decides. Do you think he can beat Trump? Will the issues of his age come up? And is that fair? Uh, yeah, he already beat Trump. And I think he I think he would. All right. But when you think of the overall Democratic Party, you've been a little different. Uh, I think people are looking at you as a different style of Democrat. Who do you admire as the next faces of the Democratic Party beyond Biden, especially if the GOP nominee is Trump? I don't think about about that. I don't. I'm just 
just myself. I, I don't give anyone advice. I don't think, you know, it should be emulated. All I am is just a guy running, you know, on his truth, running a race that I believe is, is the best way to run. And I've always run on truths. And I think that's, uh, this isn't about me giving advice or anything. I, I don't have hot takes on this. I don't criticize uh, other Democrats or say you should think this way or you should believe that way or whatever. I'm only running my own race. When we last spoke in 2020, you told me you didn't have any plans to run for higher office, which obviously wasn't true as you're now running for Senate. So I'm going to ask you this right now, and please don't fib to me this time. Will you one day run for president? Oh, my God, no. I mean, like, no, like, <laughs> I, 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 wasn't, the same I wasn't, thing about I wasn't f- fibbing before. I, I just, I, I didn't I'm know teasing. what it was going to look like uh, in 2020 and or anything. So, no, I, I have a race in front of me and that's all I'm focusing on. And, and honestly, let me just, I, this, and I promise you this, yeah. that, yeah. you know, having three children and nearly dying, I, I, I don't have any thing to, to fib about because, you know, I've kind of confronted very big yeah. decisions. So, um, but no, I'm, I'm only here running to, to run the race that I'm in front of. The Senate. Okay. My last question, always ask for a piece of advice from my guest. You just said you don't give advice, but I want you to advise President Biden. What is the one thing you think he needs to focus on going forward? I, honestly, I don't, I don't have any advice. You know, here's, here's a man that, that already uh, won and and he has done some, I think, some some good things during his his term. Again, as I just said before, I don't I don't uh, give anyone's advice. I only run my own races, and mm-hmm. and only am well. Actually, that's not true. I I advise that my kids, you know, do their homework or or they mm-hmm. clean their rooms or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I I don't give in in the the advice kind of of game. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for Dr. Oz? Uh, again, no, and because one, that would be kind of pointless because he would never take that advice. Um, and it's it's his story and he needs to tell it the way he needs to. And he's done that. And just you should own the kinds of sentiments and the kinds of words that are swirling around him. And if believing that you have to make fun of uh, a stroke patient to win, then again, it's your story. It's the way you need to tell it. All right, John, thank you so much. And I do hope your health uh, continues to improve. I really do have great empathy. I know what it's like. All right. Thank you very much. So he was actually, he was moving super fast with you. Yeah, he was. I was trying to keep it fast and obviously is listening to it. He had a few stumbled words, but so did I. Um, and I thought he was very articulate. You could see that he thinks just fine on his feet. Um, you know, obviously I had these same auditory processing issues that did go away eventually mm-hmm. uh, where I needed some help to understand or not hearing people right. Mm-hmm. But he certainly seems well recovered. He looks very healthy, much healthier than the last time I interviewed him. I'm not a doctor, obviously, and neither is Dr. Oz in this case. And so uh, so I thought he answered the questions. I think he's pretty pissed about what this guy's doing. And I think he has a right to be. And I don't think it's just a campaign talk. Talking point. It's pretty appalling that a doctor would make fun of someone who is trying to recover from a very significant medical issue. And it's working. The fact that it's working is even worse. But it's completely unsurprising. I think it's very earnest to say that it's a, it's a surprising fact. I mean, no. we know who Dr. Oz is. And this is a campaign. Everything gets weaponized in a campaign. Very few people do this. Trump is the one who's introduced it, certainly by making fun of reporters or people's physical issues or anything like that. Um, yeah. This guy's a doctor. It's not, it's very different. It's very different. And in this case, especially because he's a doctor, he shouldn't just be ashamed of himself. He should be censured. I wouldn't know what to do if a doctor talked to me this way. I'll be very curious to see because the polls are definitely tightening. Well, there's a lot of money. He's right. There's a lot of money 
It's really amazing how fear-mongering around health works so well. And it's sad. It's sad. It's really sad. And then there's just basic name recognition, which as much as, you know, Fetterman has made a name in the last couple of years, he was relative unknown quantity till then. And, you know, Oz has decades of, of making his name and people feeling that they trust him, although, you know, albeit lots of evidence to the contrary. Well, well, let me just be clear about this. I was talking about my mom a lot, who really did pick on the stroke issue, which was ironic given I had one, It's although that's how much it works. Um, that said, she couldn't say enough bad things about Dr. Oz. The likability is so low and the uh, wanting to vote for him, not at all. It, it, the R is why she might vote for him, but boy, she doesn't like him. She really doesn't. It was really interesting. Okay, John Fetterman refused to give anyone advice this week except for his kids, which obviously is in a good position to do, although his kids will probably not take his advice, I will say. Mm-hmm. Um, who is your unsolicited advice for this week, Kara? Well, it's, not, it's everybody. I want to call attention to the 11th anniversary of the death of Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. I, doing this interview made me think about it a lot because he also had a lot of health scares and, it, and ultimately died from, from pancreatic cancer. And one of the things I think about um, is how uh, he, keep, he kept moving forward. And one thing that people don't realize is he created some of the most important innovations that you are all using today when he was dying of cancer. Um, And he kept pushing forward. He did not look back. In the very last interview I did with him, he talked about reforming television. This was months, you know, very, he looked very sick, very frail, and he still was pushing forward. And, you know, he talked about death quite a bit in his, uh, his life, and especially after he got sick, and he was constantly aware of mortality. And I think it's really important to think about people that have had brushes with death, like John and myself, mm-hmm. um, and my own dad died when he was 34, understand how it is important to push forward. And I really find uh, it, it really terrible when people assume things are over when they're not over. They certainly weren't over for Steve Jobs. I don't think they're over for John Fetterman. And anyone who says different is really has a huge problem and should probably read a little more Steve Jobs. That's very good advice, Kara. You're welcome. Today's show was produced by Naima Raza, Blakeney Schick, Christian Castro Rosell, Rafaela Seward, and Cody Nelson. Christopher Shirt Leff and Fernando Aruda engineered this episode. If you're already following the show, fantastic. If not, why are you living under a rock? Go wherever you listen to podcasts, search for On with Kara Swisher and hit follow. By the way, we're beating all the right wing podcasters. We need to keep topping Ben Shapiro, which is my which is one of the things that makes me happy. Anyway, so keep letting us do that. Thanks for listening to On with Kara Swisher from New York Magazine, Vox Media and us. We'll be back on Thursday with more. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.